My name's Susan Martin, and I'm going to be talking to you about counterfeit glory. We're going to take a little detour and talk about what glory is not. Counterfeit glory is what Satan tries to do when he imitates God, when he tries to exhibit the glory of God, or when he tries to attract attention and worship and usurp the glory of God. Now, Satan has a lot of names in the Bible, and the passage we're going to talk about today in Matthew 4, he, he has three. Satan, which is just the adversary, the, the opponent of God's divine plan. Diabolos, which is where we get our English word diabolical, which means a liar, a slanderer, somebody that doesn't tell the truth, someone who tries to divide people for no particular reason. He's also called the tempter, which is a word that means an influencer for evil, someone who tries to influence people to do wrong. In other parts of the Bible, he's called Belial, B-E-L-I-A-L. It's used 20 times or so in the Old Testament and once in the New. It's my personal favorite name of Satan because the translation of it is worthless completely, utterly worthless. And I like to call Satan what he is, and what he is is a liar and he's worthless. Now the English word worship is sort of a contraction and it was used to bring honor or worth to whatever it was referring to. So it's kind of interesting and ironic to me that Satan in trying to get God's worship, God's glory, is actually the antithesis of that. His actual name is worthless. Well, how do we discern the worthless from the valuable? It makes me think of my first job. Right out of college, I was a manager at a branch bank. And yes, I have been robbed at gunpoint, but that's a different story. Anyway, I was a manager of a branch bank. And in connection with our training, we were taught how to discern the difference between actual real money and fake money. There are a lot of ways to do it. I've brought along some real bills. I didn't bring any counterfeit ones because I don't look good in orange. But anyway, there are ways to tell what is real and what is fake. And in the case of, of real United States currency, it's on paper that feels different. It's a mixture of linen and cotton. And a, a good teller can just, when she's counting money, can tell if something doesn't feel right. It also has fibers in it, red and, and blue fibers. It's got a watermark. You can hold it up to the light and you can see that the paper is, is authentic. One problem though is that a really good counterfeiter can take a one or a $5 bill and they can scrub the print off of it. They, they use cornstarch or of all things, easy off oven cleaner, and they get the authentic paper bleached out. Then they try to print it and make it a 50 or a $100 bill. But the problem with that is that their printing plates are not as good as the authentic ones, and so the printing will be just a little bit blurry, a little bit off. So you can tell that way too. There are a number of other things, but the absolute easiest way to tell is to take a bill that you think may be counterfeit and compare it with the authentic bill. 
because it's pretty easy when you hold them right up next to each other to tell which one is real and which one isn't. So that's what we're gonna do today. We're going to, to look at what Jesus did to determine the authenticity of the things that Satan was telling him. Now in Matthew 4, Jesus was led out into the wilderness to be tested. But where this falls in scripture is kind of interesting. At this point in the Bible, Jesus has really only said two sentences. We've had a very elaborate account of his miraculous birth. Then we skip from his being a baby to his being 12 years old and we're told a really short story where he speaks and, and shows that he's a very accomplished biblical scholar even at the age of 12, which in our culture is a seventh grader. But he had a an wonderful and amazing uh, understanding of the Bible even at that early age of 12. Well, then the Bible skips to age 30 to Jesus's baptism. So he gets baptized when he comes out of the water the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descends on him and out loud an audible voice is heard that says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, at my baptism, if I had come up out of the water and a dove had landed on me and a voice was heard from heaven that said, this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. I would have jumped up and down, been excited, and thought, oh man, I'm gonna go do something fantastic for the Lord. I'm gonna have a fabulous ministry, and off I would have gone. But the Holy Spirit led Jesus to do something very different. The Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness all by himself to be tested. So he goes out there, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he fasts for 40 days. And at the end of this time, he's extremely hungry. His body is screaming at him. He's weak. And it's this particular time that Satan chooses to come to him and tempt him by offering a shortcut way for him to obtain the notoriety and the glory that he could have with his power that he had but that would not have fulfilled God's plan. And every time Satan used the same kind of tricks that other counterfeiters do, he, he twisted God's word. It wasn't exactly accurate. It wasn't exactly on all fours with what the, God, the word of God actually said. And every time Jesus rose to the occasion, recognized the fraudulent ideas that Satan had, he did it three times. The third time in Matthew 4, 8, it says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I'll give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to, to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He recognized Satan's scheme and he refused to take the shortcuts. Well, so how will I discern the, the counterfeit? Well, I'm going to do it the same way that Jesus did. I'm going to compare what I'm being told, what I'm being shown, the ideas that pop into my head. I'm going to compare that with God's Word. 
I'm gonna see if it lines up on all fours. I'm gonna see if it has red threads in it. My Bible has red ink everywhere Jesus talks. Now another kind of interesting thing that I've been thinking about is exactly how did this temptation story get into the Bible? Have you ever thought about that? There wasn't anybody there except Jesus. There were no witnesses. There were, there was nobody to, to do a transcript. And as I've thought about it, I think the only way it could be in our scripture is that Jesus told the disciples all about it. There's only one other instance in scripture where it's just Jesus praying or wrestling, wrestling with a problem and we have a transcript and it's the Garden of Gethsemane right before his crucifixion. So this account was so important that Jesus made sure that Matthew heard about it so he could write it down in his gospel. Whoever told Luke about it was sure to know exactly what happened so he could write it down in his gospel. Mark alluded to it. It had to be incredibly important. So it's incredibly important for us to be able to recognize what is not God's glory and what we need to do to be able to discern the difference in counterfeit and real glory. So we need to learn God's word. We need to have a real grasp of it. There's no substitute and there's no shortcut. We need to pursue prayer and be in touch with God. But also, we, can, we have a secret weapon because we have the Holy Spirit within us. We can ask for His supernatural insight into what is real and what isn't. I think it's fascinating that with our American money, there is an invisible stripe on every single banknote that's higher than a $1 bill, the fives, the tens, the twenties, the fifties, and the $100 bills. There is an invisible strip that'll shine under an ultraviolet light. They shine different colors and they're in different places, but it's all there. Well, just like that, the Holy Spirit can give us insight into exactly what God's trying to tell us and what is or is not His glory and His will for our lives. The rest of this study is gonna show you what God's glory really is and focus on it. It is so big, it is so magnificent that we can't really wrap our finite human brains around it. But what we can do is ask God to show us His glory and I promise He will. And I want you to pray and ask God to show you his glory and help you recognize the real thing because none of us wants to fall for a cheap imitation, a worthless, cheap imitation of the real thing.